Hello there and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question. Today we're going to talk about Satan's Get Even Plan. Satan's Get Even Plan. Before we begin, I would encourage you and remind you always that we do have a webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word. And there you can find out more information about us and, and links to different places that you can listen to our podcast, support us, and read our statement of faith as well. So we're going to talk about Satan here and his get-even plan. Uh, Eve here in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, uh, she's been talking to a snake. You know, snakes uh, generally are not well-liked creatures as a whole. I know both men and women seem to have a healthy respect for them. And what I've read sometimes that women have twice as much fear of snakes as men do. Well, I don't know if that's really true. I always give them the, the right away when I see one. Especially if I don't know if it's poisonous or not. But here in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, his God speaking says, And I will put an enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, as much as women seem to have a fear of snakes, I'm pretty sure that Maybe this verse is not talking about a talking snake. It could be a metaphor. Uh, I've heard the explanation that the animals, all of them, talked before the fall. And so this may not have been anything out of the unusual. And Eve would not have had anything to fear uh, because she's never come up against anything negative with this. I don't know. But that's what I've been told. But let's look at this verse just a little bit closer. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first word is the word not enmity. It does not mean fear. It really means a hatred or a violent anger. And so it's an emotion intended for one's enemy. Not for a creature that you're afraid of. Uh, the serpent was the enemy, and God intended to destroy that old serpent with the offspring of the woman. You know, I even know a guy years ago, he used to call people snakes in the grass. In other words, uh, they couldn't be trusted. They'd bite at your heels if you weren't paying attention to where you walked. And Maybe this is kind of what God uh, in the scriptures trying to allude at. But what does that really mean here, uh, this word enmity? Does it, you know, does it mean fear, but rather hatred or a violent hatred or anger? You see, when Eve heard the message, I, I think she only heard what she really wanted to hear. If you really study this closer, uh, and I would encourage you to read uh, Genesis, the first couple of chapters uh, of the beginning of creation, her sin had really had robbed her of the garden and what God uh, had planned in his intimate presence. Now, the promise was that a boy would undergo the damage. So she figured God was promising her that he would give her a boy child and that boy child would beat down that old serpent and she could get back into the garden. Well, who was Eve's firstborn son? Well, it was Cain. And you can read about Cain in, in Genesis chapter 4. The first two verses there talk about Cain, and she had acquired uh, the boy, the child promised in the prophecy, and she had figured that Cain 
would be her ticket back into the garden. Later she gives birth to Abel, and Abel means emptiness or vanity. Essentially she was saying, I've got Cain, what do I need Abel for? But how wrong she really probably was. You see, because Cain was not her salvation. He would be her heartache. He will kill his younger brother and record the first murder of the Bible. Abel and then would be put into to exile and for his sins, and that really wasn't the prophecy had any meaning about anyway. So what does this prophecy really mean? What does it mean that this seed or offspring of the woman would bruise the serpent's head? Well, God used a fairly odd way of saying what he meant in this verse. He says that, that the seed or this offspring of the woman, uh, generally that's not how a child is spoken of these days. And a distant, rarely, uh, if I ever heard anybody called their child uh, the seed of the woman, but rather of uh, the man. The nation of Israel was either called the seed of Abraham or the seed of Jacob, as you go through uh, the Old Testament and study uh, this word, seed of. Uh, the priests serving in the temple were also speaking of the, the seed of Aaron. And God spoke of punishing some of the seed of David. So generally, children were spoken of being the seed of the man or the father of that child. But this prophecy refers to the child as the seed of the woman. It's almost as if there were no earthly father involved in this child. I wonder who might have been born that had no earthly father. Well, I'm hoping that you would all know that answer. Of course, it's Jesus. Uh, he's born of a virgin, a woman who had never known a human male or man, however you want to word it. So this seed of woman is Jesus. And who's the serpent? Well, I think it's pretty clear from the text and the story here, uh, that's the devil or Satan. The seed of woman, being Jesus, was going to bruise the head of Satan. And in the process, this young uh, man, uh, that seed of woman, would himself be bruised. Now, Satan is a major player in the Passion. And he has a role, and basically his primary focus is of why Jesus came. He's one of the main reasons that Jesus died on the cross. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it tells us this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came, in other words, to defeat Satan. But then, you know, really this kind of got me thinking when I was doing this study. What exactly had Satan done to, to make him the focus of all of this? Had God set the devil up to be there and be the bad guy in this story? Had he just chosen Satan at some random pick? Well, no, not really at all. The fact is that it was kind of the other way around. Turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, and he will give us an insight here 
into the, the motivation of the serpent. Starting in verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O the star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. But you say in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Well, Lucifer's objective all along was really a takeover, or a coup attempt maybe we might even say, because he wants to overthrow God, and he wants to rule in God's place. And Revelation chapter 12 uh, tells us that Satan had succeeded in enlisting one-third of the angels in his cause. So that was his objective. But how was Satan going to accomplish all of this? How did he think that he could pull God down and put himself on the throne? Well, that's really where Genesis chapter 3 really all comes in. If you don't know any better, you might think that this encounter between Satan and Eve was accidental. But Satan hadn't just been strolling through the garden that day. He didn't just happen to bump into Eve beneath a tree. Satan was there, and that was part of his plan. The first two chapters of Genesis are about God creating the world and everything in it. And then God gave the world to somebody else. He didn't give it to Lucifer. Who did he give it to? Well, the answer is, he gave it to Adam and Eve. Read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, says, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So you see, God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. He gave them the authority over everything in his creation. So essentially, God gave the warranty deed to this world to Adam and Eve. The earth was the focus of all of God's creative power. Adam and Eve were the crowning glory of his efforts. And it seems that Satan reasoned that if he could take those away from God, he could effectively take his throne as well. And scripture says he succeeded maybe in part in his plan. So first of all, he took the ownership of the world. In John chapter 12, verse 31, will describe Satan as the prince of this world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says that he's the ruler in the kingdom of the air. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, says the whole world under the control of the evil one. See, when Adam and Eve took and ate of the fruit, they effectively turned over this world to the devil. Then the devil took ownership of man away from God. And this is why the Bible speaks of us being redeemed or purchased by Jesus. Read with me, if you will, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. Verse 19, But it was with precious blood as a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. In the Hebrew writer would say the same thing in chapter 9, verse 12. And not though the blood of goats and calves, but through His blood, that would be Christ's blood, He entered into a holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, they broke a law or a rule that God had laid out not to eat of the one certain tree. Now Satan owns this world, and, and for that same reason, Satan even owned us at one time before we were immersed and repented and, and began to walk as a, as a follower of Christ should walk. Satan's objective was to bring God down from his throne and, and lift him up, and because he wanted to make a God of himself. But when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, Satan often refers and offers Jesus a deal in some way or another. And these temptations that the devil throws at Jesus are very well. Otherwise, if they're not real, they're really not temptations. And I've heard people say, well, Jesus was God and you cannot tempt God. That is a true statement. But here is God in the flesh. He took on every aspect of you and I have, and he was tempted. I don't know about you, but if you were really hungry, and you hadn't ate in 40 days, and somebody's offering you a, a piece of bread, well, that'd be tempting if you're really hungry. And then, oh, look at here, Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain, and and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Just give me what you want. Really, that's what the devil is saying to Jesus. Make me God. Worship me. Place me on the throne. Then I will give you back some of what I have taken away. But, of course, the devil had no intentions of giving up his control of us. We had the breath of God within us. Go back and read in the creation story where God breathed into Adam. And we're all made in this image of God. And as long as he held us, Satan held the trump card. And how Satan had a hold of us. In Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 it says, Therefore since the children share the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Death was Satan's ultimate power over mankind. Now Satan knew the prophecy 
Uh, we sometimes wonder or think that Satan really know what God has said in the scripture. I think Satan really does know. Satan's not an idiot. He's not to be taken lightly. Satan, uh, he knows that this promise or this prophecy, that this seed of woman, that is Jesus, had to come to crush his head. And therefore he knew that he had to take Jesus out before Jesus could take him out. So the game was on for Satan to figure out how to destroy Jesus. And you can see this throughout the gospel accounts where the devil is always using deception, lies, temptations, uh, making false accusations against Jesus. But none of it works. So ultimately he fell back on his most powerful tool and that would be death. And Satan figured if he could kill Jesus before Jesus uh, could do whatever it was that he had come to do, that he was going to be home free. He'd have it made. Then he'd no longer have to fear the threat of God's prophecy in the garden. And behind the scenes, that Satan worked on all the people that were closest to Jesus. Here, right here in John chapter 13, verse 2. During the uh, Passover meal, uh, during the supper, it says, The devil, having already put in the heart of Judas of Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. And over in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. You see, if he could only kill Jesus, then it occurred to him to use the cross to do his work. Again, Satan had this thought and idea that the cross would be his idea and how he could get rid of Jesus and kill him. Again, anybody that's ever studied this form of execution, this is a very painful and most cruelest way to die that's ever really probably been brought up for mankind. And thus, I suspected he, he intended to use this ultimate expression for his contempt for God. You know, also, you know, we, we think about Satan here and what goes through his mind, and this is really just a guess, but he wants to make God suffer one last time. He wants to put Jesus on a cross, knowing that the scripture says, He who hangs on a tree is cursed. May God feel the pain that man had felt for hundreds of years by going through this crucifixion. He's going to make God understand that he was still in command of this world. And he's trying to tell God, I hold all the trump cards. And you better never forget it. And Satan thought, again, that this cross would be his idea as he plants this seed in men's minds. And the hatred that would become from the Sanhedrin, the leaders of that day. And Jesus knew what he faced. And he knew what he must do. And that was to defeat Satan. Luke chapter 9, verse 22, here's Jesus saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes. And he will be killed and raised up on the third day. I, I would really encourage you to, to read Isaiah chapter 3. It's a very famous chapter, often read a lot. 
uh, that communion services written hundreds of years before Jesus was born Satan did not trick Jesus he didn't pull a fast one on him at all by Christ in his death on the cross Jesus defeats death and Satan's most powerful tool by his blood by Christ's precious blood purchases back from the dominion of Satan here's Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 here's the Apostle Paul he writes for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins at one time we all belong to Satan but by the blood of Jesus we have been bought back we've been purchased into God's love and mercy now there will be people who will try and, and tell you that you can get in heaven by just being a good person they believe that heaven is reserved only for those people that just live a good life you don't have to worry and that hell is reserved only for those who do well really bad things hell was never designed for people like you and I Jesus says something very different in Matthew chapter 25 and Jesus is talking about the faithful and those who are left are unfaithful Jesus includes the unfaithful people he left as accursed let's read this maybe be a little more clear chapter 25 verses 40 and 41 the king will answer and say to them truly I say to you to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine even to the least of them you did it to me then he will also say to those on his left depart from me accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels the people who end up in hell are, are those who belong to Satan no matter how many good works they may do they cannot change who owns them by default they belong to Satan by default if you do not belong to Jesus and you're not covered by the blood that he shed on the cross you belong to Satan until you've made this choice to accept his free gift of eternal life until you decide that Jesus came to buy you back and to redeem you your destination is the same as the devil and the angels you go read this chapter 25 all the way through to the end of it you'll see that are people who are claiming they did a lot of good things but Jesus says I really never knew you you were not part of me there's so many people who walk around on this earth believing that they are saved believing they're good and all they're doing is is judging themselves with against their neighbor or friend or co-worker at least I don't steal at least I haven't killed anybody but if you've broken the one command of God you're a sinner and you stand condemned without the cleansing blood of Jesus. I thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope that you uh, have learned a little bit more about Jesus. 
and his plan and why he had to die on a cross and that you can check us out at biblicalquestion.com we would love to hear from you we we have several positive comments come through our email uh, this past month we appreciate those encouraging words and a couple of supporters have also uh, sent us a little help we everything goes to help us and goes a long ways we were not collecting a, a income we are just simply trying to offset the cost of keeping this going we thank you again for listening we know there's many other podcasts and your time is valuable and that you've taken time to listen to us and we plan to continue to release these uh, broadcasts once a week so hopefully when you wake up uh, Sunday morning and uh, Eastern time around 7 in the morning it's already in your iTunes account or whatever you're listening to us or however you're listening to us and so that you can start your day your Sunday morning before you go to services listening to us again may God have the glory mm-hmm.